Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, if you'd like to talk to a pastor, this is an opportunity for you to do that, and we would love to talk with you, answer those questions, pray with you. Give us a call at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. That's the call in line. I want to say welcome to everybody who's tuning in today, wherever you're tuning in from. So if you're listening here locally in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM, up and down the front range of the Rockies, we are glad you're tuned in today. I also want to say hello to everybody who is listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Maryland. We're so glad to be syndicated over there. Welcome to the program. And we're also glad to be syndicated on Truth FM over in Tennessee and into parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Wherever you're tuning in from today, welcome to the program. We also want to remind you, those of you listening on the East Coast in the area around Tennessee, that you are hearing this program on a one-week delay. But we would love for you to call in, and then you get the unique opportunity. You get to tune in a week later and hear yourself on the radio, and you can decide if your voice sounds funny or not. So it's a, uh, you can tell your friends to tune in and all that. So just a reminder that those of you on the East Coast are hearing it on a one-week delay. Uh, big hello to everyone who listens online. We know there's so many of you who tune in via the Grace FM app. So if you don't have that app yet, you should totally go download it. So you can, if you have an iPhone or Android, just go to whatever app store you use and just type in Grace FM in the search bar and it'll come right up. And so it's a great app. You can listen um, over the internet wherever you're at in the country or you know if you're not in your car listening, you can listen uh, in your house over the internet. It's a great way to do that. So many people do. We also want to remind you, you can always tune in uh, through gracefm.com in your browser. You can just go on your laptop, your computer, your tablet, whatever, and you can listen uh, right there in your browser to Grace FM. So however you've tuned in today, welcome to the program. Again, the number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. If there's something that you read or you're curious about, or if there's something going on in your life, if you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. So call us or text us. Just a few words about myself. I am your host every Monday here on Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're a church that loves Jesus and we love to worship God and we love to study through the Bible. So that's what we do on Sunday mornings. We meet at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, uh, which is in downtown Longmont. So if you know Longmont or if you are in the surrounding area, maybe you know 
there's a building right there on um, Long's Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street called the St. Vrain Memorial Building. It's kind of a historical building here in Longmont, and our church meets there on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And we would love to have you join us if you um, if you are in the Longmont area or in any of the surrounding towns. Maybe you're in uh, Berthoud or Mead, or if you're down into uh, if you're down into uh, Frederick, Firestone, Decono area, or if you're in Lafayette, Erie, or even North Boulder, anywhere around Longmont, Lyons, we, we would love to have you come and visit us on a Sunday morning. Uh, again, so our church meets at uh, the St. Vrain Memorial Building in downtown Longmont, 10 a.m. every Sunday, and currently we're studying through the letter to the Romans. So we just finished week three of our study through Romans. We're going through it verse by verse and chapter by chapter as we study uh, through God's Word in that way, and it's just been a great study. I'll say a few w- more words on that as we go on. Um, a producer here is asking me a question. Didn't we have a nuclear reactor near the St. Vrain River? Uh, was He said near Mount St. Vrain. It's actually in the, near the St. Vrain River. It's still there. It's no longer a nuclear reactor. Uh, it's now been converted. So yeah, there is a power plant out here. It's actually in Platteville, but it's on the St. Vrain River, which is east of Longmont, and uh, I have some friends who farm out there, some people in our church who farm out in that area in Platteville, and uh, yeah, just right in the shadow of that, uh, one time it was a nuclear power plant, but not anymore, but yeah, so we have the St. Vrain River running right here through Longmont, and then it goes out out towards Platteville that way, but yeah, no nuclear reactor anymore uh, in this area, but um, yeah, so uh, you can find more information about our church at whitefieldschurch.com. For those of you who are interested and in the local area, check us out, whitefieldschurch.com. You can also hear me every uh, weekday. We have a show that airs at 2.30 p.m. And it also airs at, at uh, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. So if you are listening to Grace FM, 2.30 p.m., you'll hear me. Our show is called Life in the Field, and those are our Bible teachings from Whitefields Community Church. And also Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So we have all open lines right now. It's a great time to call in. Usually here at the beginning of the show is always uh, one of the best times to call in if you want to get on the air and have your prayer request or your question come through. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. And um, hey, while here at the beginning of the show, I wanted to tell you about something else that's really cool that's coming up. So I'm a, I'm a younger person myself. I mean, I'm in my early 30s, um, and I've been a pastor now for, for over 10 years. But I know that uh, there's a lot of young people who have a desire to to teach the Word of God. Maybe you, you've grown up and you're like, how do I you know get started? Maybe, I, maybe you've been asked to teach a Bible study, or maybe you teach in a home group, or maybe you teach youth at your church, or wherever you're at. Or, or maybe you're a young woman and you, you've had opportunities to teach as well, and you're like, man, I could really use some training because, I mean, I can just read the Bible and say what I think, but it's got to be more than that, right? And so what we've been doing, some, me and, and some other uh, people that we know, um, we have this thing called the Expositors Collective. It's the Expositors Collective, and we did our first event this March, and, what, and I actually advertised it here on Grace FM. I mean, I plugged it during my show and everything, but it was far away. I know for most of our listeners, either on the East Coast or, or in Colorado and Wyoming, 
uh, it was far away because it was in Southern California. But here's something that's in the works. So I'd, we don't have the website up yet, but I just want to plug it right now and let you know, drop this in your ear so that you can be listening in weeks to come. We're going to be talking about it more and you're going to be hearing about it on Grace FM. There will be uh, little spots for it and you'll be seeing it probably on social media if you follow all the Grace FM social media. So we're going to be doing an Expositors Collective event here in Colorado. It's going to be hosted at Calvary Aurora down on uh, Tower in Hampton. And, uh, but it's being organized by several of us from different parts of the country, and we're, we're converging on Aurora. And we're going to have some pastors and uh, Bible teachers coming into town uh, from different parts of the country. And we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to be teaching how to do expository teaching. And this is uh, this going to be very minimal cost. It's really just to cover uh, some basic costs that we have. So it'd be like twenty dollars, twenty twenty-five dollars per person. We can only take a hundred and fifty people for this. So when it when it goes live with the registration, which hasn't happened yet, you're going to want to jump on it. But um, here's the other thing: it's also for young people. So the age limit it's uh, capped at ages. So it's eighteen to thirty-four. Now some people have asked, why do we cap that age? And the reason is because we really want to focus on this age group. We want to focus on up-and-coming uh, people who really, uh, young people who have a desire to preach. And and I guess our feeling is that sometimes young people have felt that they, they're marginalized or they're told that they have to wait or they feel that things in the church are geared towards uh, not them. And so what we're doing with this Expositors Collective is we're really wanting to to get some of us who have experience and have, have taught and we really understand what expository preaching is and not just expository preaching but within that Christ-centered preaching which is when you understand that all of the Bible is about Jesus and the goal of preaching is to bring out the gospel because the whole Bible is about the gospel. And so um, that's what we're going to be teaching at this and we, we have a some great uh, teachers coming in from out of town, and uh, I'm going to be a big part of it. And so if you want more information, there, I can. the one thing I can give you right now is a phone number. So you can call 303-775-3485, 303-775-3485 if you want more information on the Expositors Collective. And by next week, we're going to have our website live and our registration. But I just want to give this plug to you guys now. Those of you between 18 and 34, this is for men and women who have a desire to learn to uh, teach expositorily, which means to expose the meaning of the text and to preach Christ-centeredly. It's going to be hosted at Calvary Aurora, and we have the dates there, July 20th and 21st. So it's not a conference. This is really just a, an intensive seminar uh, on this topic. It's going to be really good, and I encourage anybody, If you, maybe you know somebody, maybe it's not you, maybe you, you're not in that age group, but you know somebody and you're like, this is perfect perfect for them. Write it down or write down this phone number 303-775-3485. Give it a call and we'd love to get you uh, hooked up in this. We're doing this. It's not just for Calvary Chapel. It's for um, people outside of Calvary Chapel as well. And we just really want to bless the bless the Christian community here in, in Colorado with uh, some great training. So let's go to our call-in lines. We have full lines right now. So let's go to Ken in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Ken. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pastor Nick. Um, I've got a question. It's kind of sort of hard to verbalize. It's something that I'm thinking about, but I don't know if there's a. There's, I just don't hear a lot of talk about it. So the question is basically, um, when will the, when will the opportunity for unbelievers uh, to become, you know, to, to receive salvation, and is it just at the point of rapture, or is there some? Because I, I think I heard something recently about some correlation with 
um, a Jewish holiday um, that's the, uh, a, a holiday or a point at which atonement was no longer available. So, is there something something similar to the church? Yeah. So the the cutoff point, if that's what you're asking, in my opinion, and from my understanding of the scriptures, is the second coming of Jesus. That after the second coming of Jesus, there will be no more uh, opportunity for people to be converted and receive God's grace, his salvation. And so, um, you know, depending on your eschatological timeline, then, you know, some people would say, well, there's a rapture. Everybody agrees that, that all of the things that come up, like when Jesus comes back again, the second coming, that's it, right? Like everybody agrees on that point. So um, now if that, that it coincides with a Jewish holiday or there's a picture of that in the Old Testament, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm not aware of it, at least not off the top of my head right now. Um, but as far as the rapture, I would say if, for people who believe in the rapture, we call them, you know, in big theological words, we call them dispensational um, premillennialists or dispensationalists, okay? And there's different forms of dispensationalism. And so these people believe in, in a rapture, and uh, this is a position that Calvary Chapel holds, and that is that uh, Jesus, before his second coming, there will come a time when Jesus will come in the clouds, so to say, like he won't actually return to earth, but God will rapture or catch up all the people who are his own before he pours out his judgment and wrath on the earth during the time of tribulation. But that time of tribulation will still be a time when people can repent and still be saved or converted or, or become Christians and receive eternal life. Now, they will have to go through a time of tribulation, which is not good, but they will, their souls will be saved for eternity. So, uh, and, and really some people would say, and I, I think this is a accurate depiction of that position, is to say that uh, that's actually one of the great purposes of the tribulation, is, is the, it's the last final wake-up call. It says, hey, if you haven't been paying attention until now, you know, wake up, because God's judgment is coming now in, in practice, like in, in tangible ways, but ultimately is coming against souls as well. So I hope that answers your question. I would say the cutoff line is Jesus' second coming. Right. That's pretty much that's how I've always believed. But I, I guess I've heard recently that, um, and maybe I'm just maybe just the, just wrong thinking, but that uh, during the rapture or, uh, or during during the tribulation, I should say that that really that opportunity is there for Israel, and it's not necessarily a, doesn't doesn't apply to the church. But then I'm not sure if that's how that's supported. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? Yeah, I guess what I've heard recently, and I don't really remember where, it would have been within the last couple of weeks, uh, someone pointed out that the opportunity for salvation during the tribulation was for Israel, not for the Church. Mm -hmm. The Church would have already been raptured. Well, I agree with that. I, but here's the other thing. I don't believe it's limited just to... Uh, yeah, so, so basically I guess what you're saying is that post-rapture, uh, Jews can be saved, but Gentiles can't. Is that accurate? I think that's sort of what the illusion was, yeah. Yeah, I don't really see any reason for that. I mean, I think that, yes, uh, certainly God God wants Jews to be saved, but I don't think that it is only Jews who will be able to be saved during a uh, tribulation period. Okay. All right. That does help. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. God bless you. Right. Thanks for calling bye. in. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to Kristen in Santa Clara, California. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pastor Nick. Kristen. 
Um, I was calling because at your church, sorry, it's really windy where I am right now. At your church, are you guys are going through Romans? That yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, when I was a couple years ago, I was reading through. I'm so sorry, it's loud, by the way, about but but um, I was reading through the Bible just straight through Genesis to Revelation, and I got stuck on Romans, particularly on um, chapters nine through eleven, the whole um, like predestination and stuff. I'm just curious, what kind of I don't know if you've gotten to that point yet at your, during your sermons, but do you have any uh, thoughts about Romans 9 through 11? Yeah, I think um, here's a few thoughts. Okay, so uh, we have not gotten there in our study yet, but we will get oh, there, okay. and we're certainly not going to shy away from it because I think it's really important that we take God's Word at what it says, even when those things make us feel uncomfortable. And so that's one of the things, you know, that I, I think we, we have to do. Sometimes what can happen is that uh, people can get so um, into their uh, their systematic theology, meaning how, how everything all fits together and, and makes sense logically. We call that, um, we, it's called theological reason, meaning within a theological system, everything makes sense. And uh, and the fact is that that's really hard to do with Christianity. You can do it to a degree. It does make a lot of sense. But then there are things that, that also seem to be very confusing and seem, at least from our perspective, to be con uh, not contr well, contradictory or uh, I think a better word is paradoxical. So, like, for example, what, what confuses a lot of people about Romans 9 through 11 is that in chapter 9 it talks a lot about God's predestination or his choosing Israel and not choosing other people or even that he uh, chose some uh, people or nations uh, well specifically people he chose some people to be uh, objects of his wrath and that actually brings him glory to bring judgment upon people and and yet God has chosen Israel and so there's uh, like a phrase that's used in Romans 9 that confuses a lot of people that says that Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated and a lot of people are very confused by that and uh, I think the whole section needs to be taken as uh, 9 through 11 they they're they each each chap each chapter in those three they do go together but each chapter has a distinct focus so let me just dial back for a second, and I'll give you one thing about those. Um, one thing about those chapters is that some people would say that um, you know Romans wasn't necessarily written to address a problem, and I agree with that. That's what makes Romans unique, as opposed to like Galatians or Philippians, uh, where Paul's addressing problems in a particular church where he knew the people. Now, with Romans, he had never been there. He'd never been to Rome, and he didn't know the people. And so he's writing to give them good doctrine and solid theology. But there was one issue that it does seem that he's addressing, whether he uh, knew it was an issue or not, and that is that that there were different people in the church who were having trouble tr trying to get along, right? So particularly the Jews and the Gentiles. So there were Jews in Rome who were Christians and in the church, and there were Gentiles too. And so he seems to be making a, a focus on like, okay, how does this work? Because the Jews seem to be saying, hey, you know, we kind of have a step up because we're Jewish, so we have all this heritage. And, you know, over the Gentiles, and the Gentiles were like, is that true? And so Paul in Romans 9 through 11 goes into this 
question of like, okay, how does this work with, uh, you know, God choosing Israel and not choosing other nations? And what was the purpose of that? Does God choose people? And then chapter 11 specifically speaks about uh, God's fidelity or his faithfulness to his promises to the people of Israel. So I'm going to try and sum this up for you real quick and then... Um, then we'll see if I answered your question. Okay, so chapter 9 deals a lot with God's sovereign choice, right? And so yeah. has God chosen uh, Israel and not other nations? And he says, yeah, God chose Israel. God has That's his prerogative as God. He can choose people and he can choose nations. Now, choosing Israel, what was his purpose in doing it? His purpose in doing it was so that through them, he could make himself known to the nations, so he could carry out his, his plan and purposes for the nations. Uh, to for for all the nations, I, I should say, and uh, and so he does that. But he also says, uh, you know, God has the right to choose, and and God chooses people. And this is a recurring theme throughout the Bible that we cannot get away from, is that God chooses people. The word predestination is found in Ephesians chapter one, where it says that God predestined you to be His children, uh, and He's speaking to believers. And so we can't get away from that. But uh, but here's the point: is that you and me, let's put it this way, you and me, if God sovereignly chooses, you and me can't really do anything about that, can we? But what we can do is that we can choose to receive his grace or not receive his grace. So we have to focus on what only we can do and leave the question of what only God can do up to him. That's why chapter 10 of Romans kind of turns it around, right? So after talking in chapter 9 about how God does sovereignly choose and predestine in chapter 10 it turns around and says but don't think that doesn't mean that you don't have a choice and that your choice doesn't matter and it says you absolutely have a choice and you must in order to be saved you must call upon the name of the lord you must hear the gospel and believe it and receive it and um and so that gives us balance and and here's what it means it means that from god's perspective he knows ahead of time who he's chosen and from our perspective, we don't. But it is uh, imperative on us. It is in our court, so to say, that we need to choose him. And so the question is, does God choose us? Yes. Must we choose God in order to be saved? Also, yes. And some people say, well, how does that work? Well, that's exactly the point. God is outside of time. And it's really hard for us to understand how this all works together in a kind of, uh, you know, physics or, or um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if quantum physics applies here, but anyway, it's the whole idea of time and how time works and can you get outside of linear time. We experience things in linear time and God doesn't. And that's really why it's so confusing for us because we have no other way of thinking, no other way of imagining the world. So all that to say, that's where those two chapters are really important to take together. Does God sovereignly choose? Absolutely. Does God predestine? Yes, that word is in the Bible, and, and that description is in the Bible. Now, does, do we have a choice? Must we choose God, or um, is it all done for us? Well, it says that we must choose God. So as a, as a pastor, I make sure to preach both of those because they're both in the Bible. And that's kind of my point, that we, we cannot let our systematic theology go to the point where it, it contradicts what the Bible says. So we just have to stick with what the Bible says and and go with it. Also, um, the the eleventh chapter there is really about um, is really about 
has God, does God still keep his promises um, to Israel? And the answer it says is yes. So God has not given up on his nation Israel. He hasn't replaced them. That's another uh, term that's sometimes used. And the answer is yes. So does that answer your question? Cool. Thank you so much. Because when I was younger, I was reading the Bible straight through and got really stuck on those chapters. So I really appreciate how you how you are able how you explain those. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Great. Oh yeah, you bet. Okay. Cool. Well, God bless you. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Thank- Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Brittany uh, on line three. Hi, Brittany. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. What's up? That's awesome. I need a, I am, um, I want a prayer request. Um, mm-hmm. I have a prayer request. Sorry. Um, I just want to get, I'm growing in Jesus and I really need prayer on just getting to know him more. And I want temptation. I want help, not temptation. I want help, um, fighting temptation. Sorry. I want help, um, you know, like getting through all temptation. You know how the enemy comes, he, he's cunning. So I just need a lot of prayer on that. That's what I want. I want to grow in Jesus. Awesome. Yeah, let me let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for Brittany. I thank you, Lord, uh, for her desire to walk with you and to, um, to follow you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would truly give her the strength uh, in times of temptation to resist that temptation. Lord, I remember what your word says, that no temptation has come upon us except that which is common to man. And when it does, you give us the strength to stand up underneath it. And so, Lord, we cling to that promise right now. We remember it. And we, we take hold of it by faith. Lord, I pray for Brittany that she would be able to do just that. That she would be able to trust in you. And Lord, that she would d- rely on your strength to stand in the time of temptation. Lord, thank you that it's your strength and not her strength that, uh, that she needs and which will help her through this. So, Lord, we pray that you would strengthen her in that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. God Have bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We now have open lines once again, so it's a good time to call in. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our text line and um, let's see what we've got we've got uh, one person says hi my name is Jay my question is I go to a Baptist church and a lot of men wear caps but take them off during prayer I did not and one of the deacons came to me afterwards and told me that because of 1 Corinthians 11 I was in error for wearing a baseball cap while praying that I should not do it anymore. In the same chapter, it talks about women covering their heads, and yet none of the women in our church cover their heads when we pray. I personally think it's a form of hypocrisy, but I do not want to be in error, so I'm just asking what you think about that. How do I talk to the pastor and the deacons concerning the hypocrisy if it is uh, hypocritical? Jay, uh, we've got about one minute left till our break, so I'm going to probably have to answer this one a little bit on the other side of the uh, break. But I'll just start by answering this. So if you look at there at 1 Corinthians 11, I had a 
question about this last week. I think one of the things that people uh, overlook about this chapter is that it's dealing with something which we don't have in our culture today, but which does exist still in other cultures around the world. And that is that uh, for a woman to have her hair uncovered in that culture meant that she was available, basically. Like she wasn't married and she was available. So um, it was a respect thing. It was a cultural thing. It was a thing that a woman honored her husband by having her head covered. Uh, and he says there that men, you know, should not cover their heads. Here's my take on it. I think this is a very cultural thing. But here's the other thing. It's also a cultural thing in your church, apparently. And so if Paul says, hey, let's respect the cultural uh, feelings of people in this culture, then my advice to you would be, I don't think it's a sin uh, but uh, to wear your cap while you're praying, but I do think it, it would be respectful of the other people in your church. We're going to break. We'll be back in two minutes' time. You're listening to Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Good afternoon. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts today live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. Here at the beginning of the second half of the show, we have all open lines. So it's a good time to uh, call in and get your question on the air. We'd love to talk to you and pray with you. Let's go back to our text line. Uh, just before the break, we, we had someone named Jay who, who texted us about a situation at his church where he was told that because of 1 Corinthians 11 that he shouldn't wear a baseball cap while praying. Um, and my advice to Jay, I'll just repeat it in case he missed it, was just that, Jay, I think that uh, it's not a sin. You know, if they want to, I, I wonder, I actually wonder if they would even go so far as to call it sin. They might just say it's disrespectful. Here's my take on it. I think it's just a cultural issue. But apparently it's a cultural issue in your church as well. And so my advice, and I think this is really the heart of Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, is, you know, let's not offend people's, um, you know, cultural things here. Let's let's respect them and understand the good, biblical, God-honoring reasons why they do them. So I don't think it's a sin issue, more just a, a respect and culture issue. So I hope that answers your question. I would just say... Jay, take your hat off. If you don't, then uh, hopefully they don't make a big deal about it, but just kind of try and meet in the middle. So we have another question texted in uh, from a person who says, I have a Calvinist friend who is dabbling in Molinism. Uh, he describes God as having middle knowledge. What do I think about this? Okay, what is Molinism? For all of us uh, who maybe have never heard that term. Okay, Molinism is interesting. I think there are a lot of people who hold this view. Actually, they probably just don't know that it has a name. Uh, and so here's what it describes. So Molinism is kind of a middle middle way between maybe like a what we call Arminian view, which is a kind of free will view. It's like I choose Jesus um, and God gives me free will to do that. Uh, or the other um, 
other view, which is kind of the, the other end of the spectrum, which is sometimes referred to as Calvinism, which is more of a, sometimes it can be kind of deterministic, right? So God chooses you, which we talked about earlier in the show, um, but that sometimes it can be taken to the point of where, you know, you're, it's already determined for you. You don't need to choose anything. And so uh, Molinism is kind of the, the middle way between that. Oh, I see it's Molinism. I don't want to mispronounce that. So Molinism is uh, pronounced in, and it's named after a 16th century uh, Jesuit priest named Luis de Molina. And a Molinism is a, a system of thought, right? So the idea is it's trying to, to still retain a, a man's free choice within the sphere of God's sovereignty. And that's basically all it is, that God is completely sovereign, yet within his sovereignty, he leaves a sphere of choice. And it would say that God knows uh, how people will choose, and based on his foreknowledge, he chooses people based on if they will choose him or if they will not. I, I have friends who hold this view. I don't think they know that it has a name. Um, but uh, here's where that kind of comes down to. I don't think that either Molinism uh, is is like one of these interesting things where it's kind of one of those middle views where it's like some so like some Armenians don't like it and some Calvinists don't like it. And then on the other hand, some people are like, well, you know, it can't really be truly defended or not defended based on the Bible. Here's here's the the end of it all is that we're dealing with two things that I talked about earlier when we were in looking at Romans 9 and 10 is that Romans 9 says that God chooses and Romans 10 says that we must choose God. And so which of those is true? And the answer is, of course, both of those things are true at the same time. Now, just because we don't totally understand how they fit together in God's scheme doesn't mean that they're not true. What it means is that we need to understand, look, if uh, God's got his, his thing that only he can do, which is to choose us, to choose people, and then we've got our part, which only we can do. Uh, which is to choose God, and so rather than uh, being, you know, thinking, oh, I don't know, I don't know, is it is it fair, or 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 am I chosen? Here, here's the thing. I'll tell you this: if you want to be a Christian, you can be a Christian. If you want to receive God's grace and God's salvation, you can, and so you should. It, it is offered to you freely in Christ, and so uh, I would encourage you to focus on that. So. Molinism, it seems like a, a pretty widely held view, actually, that tries to really just make sense of this whole thing. It, is, and so I would say if your friend is dabbling in it, the idea of middle knowledge, by the way, what does middle knowledge uh, mean? Here's what it means. It means it's, it's the knowledge of God of what somebody will do in a particular circumstances or in a particular circumstance. And, and that's all it means. So, so you have natural knowledge, which is um, God's knowledge of all all possible things that could ever happen. Middle knowledge is he knows exactly what you are going to do. Now then you, you have uh, what could be called like creative, you know, will, which is where God uh, chooses that something will happen and it happens according to his will. So that's what middle knowledge is. It just simply means he knows what you're going to do. So I hope that answered your question. I, it doesn't sound to me like your friend is going off the rails. Um, but uh, hopefully that answers your question for you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Give us a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Vincent in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Vincent. Hey, Pastor Nick. How are you? God bless you. Doing well. What's up? Can you hear 
Hello? I can I can hear you. I don't know if you can hear me. Oh yeah, I can hear you now. Great. What's so, up? Question: I was I was uh, driving with my son today, and his question to me, I, I made the statement to him that Satan can only uh, hear things that you verbalize. He can't read your mind. So be careful what you say. And he said, "Was that biblical?" And I said, "Well, I'm not really sure." I've heard that it is, but I really don't know. Let me see what I can find out. So I'm posing that question to you today. Yeah, so I know some people can get very kind of superstitious about this in the sense of like they're they're really worried about, uh, you know, what they say out loud because they're afraid that uh, Satan, you know, will hear what they say and use it against him. Let me give you a few things that I, I know from the Bible about Satan. I'd say that, uh, can Satan read our minds? I would say no. And, uh, and here's a reason. Um, it says in 1 Kings chapter 8, it says that, um, that God alone knows the hearts of all children of mankind, right? So it says, here's what it says. Um, according to all his ways, that's God's ways, for you, speaking to God, you alone know the hearts of all the children of mankind. And so God alone uh, knows the human heart. Uh, no one else has that ability. So God knows what we will say before we, will, we say it, what we will do before we do it. Um, now, I will say that Satan is obviously very smart, so he knows human nature. He's a student of human nature, and he's had a lot of time to study human nature. And so he, uh, he knows a lot of times, what's probably in our minds, what, probably what we're thinking, but I don't think, I absolutely do not believe that he's omniscient, meaning that he knows everything. So Satan's uh, not omniscient. I don't believe that he can read our minds. Um, if we say things out loud, will he use them against us? Perhaps. But, um, but here's the other thing. He probably was smart enough to figure out how we're doing anyway, right? Like demons. So I don't, I wouldn't get too, I wouldn't get too preoccupied with like, don't say that out loud because... You know, the devil will hear it and use it against you. Um, here's the other thing that I really want to, I always bring into this topic is like, um, look at Second Corinthians chapter 3, where it talks about how God has, has taken the uh, demonic powers of the world, and in Christ he has led them in a shameful possession. Basically, he put them to shame. And, and mm. he has conquered over them and put them to shame. And... I would just encourage people, you know, sometimes I hear people talking about, uh, you know, this kind of spiritual warfare as if it's like a tug of war and there's God in his side and then the devil in his side and they're like playing or they're doing tug of war and it's kind of 50-50 like or, or like God's got like an, a slight edge on Satan. But if we don't jump on God's side and help him out, then uh, then God God might lose. And that's right. simply just not the case. I mean, we need to to deal with the or we need to come at it from the perspective that he's already won like he already defeated satan we know what the, how the book ends and uh we know that so we should come at it from a place of victory knowing that we're on the side of victory and that uh that he's already done that and i love that picture there in second corinthians chapter three it says that he's led them uh he, you know he's put them to shame and what he's actually describing there is something which Roman people would have been familiar with, ancient people. So real quickly, what they would do is if, say, your army went and uh, conquered another nation, what they would do is they would bring that nation's army back and they'd march them through the streets of Rome and, uh, you know, it just humiliate them. 
and people would throw things at them and mock them and it would just be the ultimate form of humiliation. And and what the Bible is saying is that Jesus has done that, not only defeated them, but humiliated them. And you can ask the question, how does he humiliate them? Think about the book of Job where it says that Satan wanted to come and uh, and attack Job. And in the end, God used Satan to accomplish his purposes. Like we see that through through Romans and like Romans 8, you know, uh, jo- Joshua, or sorry, Joseph in Genesis chapter 50, you know, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And so that's how does he humiliate them? Here's how by using the things which uh, Satan, demons, the devil would use against us and using them for his purposes and his good. And, uh, and so I hope that hope that sorts that out for you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Pastor. My pleasure. God bless you. You too now. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have all open lines. It's a good time to call in if you have a question uh, about the Bible or a prayer request that you'd like prayer for. And the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. Let's go to uh, some questions that have come in recently. We had one person text this in. They said, uh, is it biblical for Christians to do yoga? So is it biblical for Christians to do yoga? We've had a lot of people ask this question before. And uh, a lot of what's behind this is the fact that yoga is is more than just a physical exercise routine, but it's it comes out of uh, Hinduism. So it's a philosophy there it has a philosophy behind it. It's a it's a practice which was done uh in uh India and it was it was believed to be part of a path to spiritual growth and enlightenment. So, for example, the word yoga means union, and the goal is to unite one's uh, transitory self with the infinite Brahman or the Hindu concept of God. And, and so here's the thing. Um, with yoga, right, so a big part of it is, you know, you're using breathing exercises, concentration, or meditation. And the way that this developed was uh, religious in nature. So it's Hindu, and it, the purpose of it was to unite you with the uh, divine, right? Especially, particularly the Hindu concept of the divine, which of course is different than a Christian or biblical view of of who God is and what God is. So, so is it possible for a Christian? The real question is this: Is it possible for a Christian to isolate the physical aspects of yoga as simply being a method of exercise? Because people would argue, hey, it's really beneficial. It, it helps me, and um. And so is it possible to isolate the physical parts of yoga uh, as just an exercise without also, you know, taking in the physical or the, the or sorry, the spirituality or the philosophy behind it? Because yoga originally was was developing out of a blatantly anti-Christian um, philosophy. And um, I think the answer is yes, but I would also warn people against it. So I, w- I would say be wise uh, as you go into it. Be discerning as you go into it. You, there are other forms of exercise. You can do Pilates. You can do other forms of calisthenics. If you really want to do uh, exercise, here's here's what I would say about that. It's like, hey, look, if you really like yoga and you really like the stretches that it does, then you really got to be 
cognizant of the fact of where it comes from and all that's tied in with it. Um, but I do believe it's possible to do that because here's the thing that Paul says this. He says, uh, you know, there's nothing in and of itself which is sinful, right? It's, it's when we, like, for example, meat sacrifice to idols. He said, but he did say, hey, look, if you're going to, if, if it does offend somebody or if it offends your own conscience to eat that because it's been sacrificed to idols, this was a thing back in the day for them. He says, then I would never eat meat again. I, I, it's not that important to me that I would do it. So he said, I think that's an important attitude to have. The other attitude to have is this, like, hey, look, uh, he says an idol is really nothing and nothing in and of itself is sinful. In other words, we can, uh, you can do stretches and do poses that stretch your body in certain ways that help you with breathing exercise and whatever without um, getting into the spirituality of it. I guess my point is just to say, be careful and go into it with open eyes. And, um, and I just encourage you with this verse, you know, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable and are excellent and worthy of praise. That's Philippians chapter four, verse eight. So I would say that you can do it, but uh, go into it with open eyes and be careful, understand the background, and make sure that all you're doing is exercise. So let's go. We are, you're listening to Calvary Live. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Marie on line one. Hi, Hi Marie. how are you doing, Pastor? Doing well. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um, so I have a question. Um, just a little bit of background. Um, so I, you know, um, I have a, I go to church and stuff, and I, we are Pentecostals, and, you know, I think they're really big on the, like, the dressing and stuff. Like, um, my congregation, I love the doctrine, the doctrine, because, I mean, it's just, I just feel it's pure, it's honest, you know? Mm-hmm. But sometimes I feel like the legalism of men sometimes can make me feel like I just can't go on with them sometimes. Because, okay. like, the dressing, I guess, I guess the hardest thing is dressing because, I, you know, you have to wear skirts on a daily basis type of thing. And mm-hmm. I can't seem to do that, you know, and I just, in my heart, I, I don't know if I'm wrong, but I don't believe that wearing pants is anything wrong. And I just get a lot of criticism. I get these looks and, you know, because the way I dress type yeah. of thing. And sometimes it makes me feel like, I'm not good enough, like, I, I'm not doing what God wants, and I'm not even sure, because I know that he says, you know, a woman shan't, can't wear men's clothing type of thing, and vice versa, and I guess I'm just a little confused, I'm a little, like, drained in that area, because it's like, is it that big of a problem of what we wear in being a Christian, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, um, you know, what they're what they're essentially doing is they're taking a principle and they're applying it um, in a way that that I think um, is very cultural. So they're t- applying a biblical principle in a way that's cultural. Now, look, my my wife wears pants, but I wouldn't wear the pants that she wears because they're they're girls' pants, right? <laughs> like, I mean, I don't think that that's the same as wearing men's clothing and dressing as a man. I mean, if you go outside today, you're going to find uh, that people in our culture, women, every culture has forms of dress. This is a part of culture. And I would definitely not say um, that that women are walking around in men's clothing. I mean, this is... Um, so, 
you know, I really do agree with you. I think this is a sense in which uh, they're being legalistic and um, that this is they're really making a, a secondary thing into a primary issue. And uh, they're making they're focusing on what you need to do uh, and saying that something's a sin, uh, which I don't necessarily think is a sin. That seems to me, again, like the guy with the hat earlier, um, that it's a cultural thing. So um, what exactly is your question? Are you asking me, is it okay? Uh, I'm asking, is it like, I don't want to say, I guess, yeah, is it okay? Because, I mean, I, like I said, I don't feel conviction in my heart, and I feel like other people put their convictions on me. And it's like, but me, I don't, I personally do not feel like God is telling me, hey, skirts every single day type of thing. It's like, you know, I just don't want to, like, yoke myself to that. And I guess my question is, is it wrong? I mean, sometimes I'm even asking, is it wrong to even be in that type of congregation? Yeah. Where they focus on the the rules. And I mean, we're by saved by grace type of thing. And I guess we get so caught up in the rules that we try to make ourselves self-righteous in that way by our deeds. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, uh, you know, I think we got to be careful with what we call legalism and what we don't, right? So if um, if you're saying that, you are taking pride then in something, you become self-righteous in something that I would say, yeah, that's legalism. You know, if you take pride in the fact that you don't do something. Now, on the other hand, if somebody says to you, you know, hey, I, this is my conviction, you know, that I'm not going to do this thing or I'm going to do this thing because this is how I'm going to honor God. I think that God actually is very much honored by that kind of attitude. Uh, on the other hand, when you start trying to impose things on people, especially things that are very cultural, like dress, here's what the Bible really has to say, okay? It says, it, it does speak against, uh, it, it encourages uh, men to be men and women to be women. But here's the other thing, it, it tells women specifically to dress modestly and to have their beauty be the inner beauty and not the outer beauty. Now, how do we apply that when it comes to what exactly we wear? Again, that's where it's a principle, and I think that we need to apply the principle. And I definitely know that it's possible to wear pants and not be immodest. And it's definitely possible for a woman to wear pants and and not be uh, cross-dressing. So uh, I really do agree with you that, yeah, this is really, it shouldn't be such a big issue uh, for them. I, I do think that it is probably legalistic. And and I do think that, you know, you got to ask the question. Here's what I would say is that... Um, you know, legalism is not just a bad habit. It's actually a gospel issue. So this is, I, I read Galatians. It's something I taught my church when we went through Galatians. Hey, legalism isn't just a bad habit. It's actually a different gospel. And that's why it's important because um, you got to ask why you're doing it. Are you justifying yourself by your actions? Are you looking down on other people because of your, um, how you do outward things? Are you looking to Jesus and keeping the focus there? Now, they would probably say, hey, we're looking to Jesus, but this is our interpretation of this passage. In which case, I don't think I could really argue with them. My point would just be to say to you, hey, if you don't like the, the, this interpretation, you, you need to make a choice. Am I going to say, hey, I don't really like this, uh, but hey, there's probably things in every church that I don't like. Um, or are you going to say, hey, you know what? They are making such a big issue out of this that they're really making this into a primary issue rather than a secondary issue. They're making this a hill that they want to die on, and I just can't go on with this. Um, so I, I think that you should pray about it in that sense. But uh, I, I personally don't think there's anything wrong at all 
with uh, a woman wearing pants and not wearing skirts every day. Okay. Yeah. Well, I well, appreciate your time. I really yeah, appreciate let me, it. Yeah, let me pray for you, and then I'll let you go. Okay. So, Heavenly Father, we pray for our sister here, Marie, and we just ask that you would bless her with the wisdom and knowledge to know what to do in the situation in her church. We pray that there would be profitable conversations about this. What if it does come to a point of, of Marie saying, you know what, they actually are being legalistic about this, and, and I can't be in a legalistic setting because legalism is not just a bad habit, it's a different gospel. Lord, give her uh, the, the clarity of, of thought and understanding to see that and understanding understand it. And and Lord, if it really is an issue of saying, you know what, uh, this, this is just their preference and uh, I'm just going to uh, decide to defer to this uh, preference in this particular congregation, Lord, would you give her the grace and the strength to do that as well. But Lord, please give her clarity uh, to understand if this is a legalism issue or if this is just a cultural preferential issue. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for Thank calling you. in. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have five minutes left in the show, which means we probably have time for one more call if there's any of you out there who are wanting to get in one more call before the end of the show. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. In the meantime, we had a uh, text message come in. A person is asking, is it biblical for a senior pastor or lead pastor to receive a higher salary than an assistant pastor or a co-pastor? Um, I don't think that there's necessarily any biblical um, instruction about which of them needs to receive uh, more money. Uh, we are told that those who preach and teach in a church are worthy of double honor. Um, but the the double honor, what does that mean? It means uh, double honor, not necessarily double payment, right, for the person who teaches or preaches. Uh, I myself am a senior pastor, and I know that what goes along with that, as, as with any senior leader in any organization, is that you bear more responsibility. And oftentimes, you are the one who does more of the leadership and more of the direction setting. And so uh, I would I would just say that that's oftentimes why it is. It's the same reason why, um, you know, let's say a you know executive person in a company is making more money than the the people who work underneath them, and and so yeah. So it says here in Second uh, Peter or sorry First Timothy chapter five verse seventeen. It says, "Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching." Now that could be uh, speaking of uh, financial compensation, but it certainly doesn't give any, it really the Bible doesn't say anything about, uh, okay, should the senior pastor receive more uh, salary than an assistant pastor? Another text that we would go to is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul is saying, hey, you know, as a minister of the gospel, it would have only been right for me to be compensated as a minister of the gospel. If this is what I spend my time doing, uh, you know, he uses this Old Testament phrase about even it was applied to the priest that you don't muzzle an ox while it's treading the grain. And so he says, you know, a uh, workers worthy of his wage and certainly gospel work is indeed work so there's something to be said for paying but i don't really think the bible says anything specifically about who gives more money who gets more money the senior pastor assistant pastor but it does make sense that the person bearing more responsibility and and taking more of the leadership uh should receive more but i think that's up to every individual church not really a biblical issue let's go to, uh 
we got time for one last call. Let's go to Peter in Fort Collins. Hi, Peter. Hi. Hi, we've got two minutes. Uh, do you think we can do it? I think so. Uh, okay. Seven uh, ministers or pastors uh, within the church preaching to a uh, mixed congregation. Is that biblical or not? Definitely a lot of controversy on this topic. I'm going to give you my opinion, and that is that the answer is no. And my, my reason is because uh, in First Timothy, he get, lays out the directions for elders and deacons. And uh, it's very clear that an elder, and so by the way, biblically, there's no differentiation between elder and pastor. So every pastor is an elder. Maybe not every elder teaches, like we just read in First. Uh, Timothy chapter 5 verse 17 not every elder teaches and preaches but a person who is an elder is an overseer right that's that's the term that's used Presbyter, uh, presbyteros it means somebody who oversees and leads and so uh, the description we have of them is that they're husband of one wife and specifically it, it's speaking about men and so I believe that all elders should, uh, according to the Bible, should be men. We see that other positions in the church are also for women. So we have deacons who are women. We have uh, other leaders and ministry leaders. And so I think to be faithful to the Bible, that, that's my answer, is I don't see any precedent for it. Uh, and so it seems to be going out of its way even to, to make it clear that uh, elders uh, that role is reserved for men. Now, it's not an issue of, of men having more value or being smarter or any of those things. It's part of God's design. So I hope that answers your question, Peter. God bless you. Thank you for calling in. You have been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'll be with you next Monday and tune in every weekday for Calvary Live, 4 to 5 p.m. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.